Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast for all things Loris College. On November 17th, the Loris players will take the stage for their 112th year with their performance of Eurydice. In this episode, we get a preview of the production as well as a peek behind the curtain of what it takes to make it all come together. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications, and I'm joined by Loris' Director of Theater, Ryan Decker. Welcome back to the Dewhawk Digest. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm always excited to talk about the Loris players, talk about all the productions you guys put on. And right off the bat, we're going to talk about, yeah, what can you tell me about Eurydice, which is coming up quickly? Yes, it is. So our fall play this year is Eurydice by Sarah Rule. Um, It is based on the Greek myth of Orpheus, Orpheus and Eurydice, Um, one of the great Greek love stories. This interpretation of that story by Sarah Rule uh, is from the perspective of Eurydice as the protagonist. Um, So in this production, uh, Eurydice experiences uh, an accident um, and goes to the underworld. Um, And so instead of following Orpheus's journey into the underworld to to rescue Eurydice, we're really following uh, her journey in the underworld in particular, meeting her deceased father, um, ultimately being put in the unique position of choosing not only between life and death, but of a love that's a little too uh, young and a little too in love, and um, a a love that's sincere and um, familial. Okay, so really taking this well-known Greek tale from Greek mythology and putting a, a completely different spin on it. Yeah, just sitting uh, sitting in the seat of a different character mm-hmm. in that story. Yeah. Okay, so how did you land on, on this particular performance? Well, I've known of Eurydice for a long time. I've seen a couple productions of it, um, some that I very much appreciated and some that got me going, uh, and I could direct a better version of this. Um, so it, it's... It's always intrigued me because there's a lot happening in the piece. Um, it's a little, like, a little Lewis Carroll, little Alice in Wonderland in the way the characters speak and experience the unique stylized worlds that they're in. Um, also, similarly with characters, there's a an interesting nasty man, and that is the character's name. There is a lord of the underworld. There are three characters named Big Stone, Little Stone, and Loud Stone. Um, so there's some childlike absurdity to the piece um, that comes through in not just the performances, but the the visual aesthetics of the show. Um, so for me, it's always resonated as a really good college production because it has sort of that intriguing a youthful pop that uh, that gets uh, particularly students excited to work on, but underneath that, under the the interesting things happening with language and music in the piece, there is a a very deep exploration of um, of family, of romantic love, of n- knowing the difference between what you want and what you need and what is ultimately 
best serving you and, and really a struggle to discern between the, the difference between, um, in the case of Orpheus and Eurydice, the, the point I've been exploring with the students and working is um, knowing the difference between being in love with someone or being in love with the idea of someone. Um, so there's there's a lot of nuance mm-hmm. um, and interesting uh, psychology to explore and sociology to explore underneath this sort of Mad Hatter style show that's uh, framing the piece. Okay, so it's really a combination. I mean, the 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 original story is very it's it's dramatic. It's you know it's a sad tale ultimately, but it sounds like this is kind of a good combination of of drama, but also some some good comedy involved. Oh, there, yeah, I think so. Um, and and typically in the absurd nature mm-hmm. of how things happen, um, especially when you when you enter the underworld and you have no memory of life from before being there. Um, so there are very ordinary things that characters have to relearn. Mm. Um, so that is fun to see and, and fun to see a uh, more grown people with a infant-like no awareness of how to do some of these basic things are um, interesting to uh, watch and observe. Nice. So yeah, that sounds like a fun, that sounds like a fun play to, to put on. It's, it's a very fun play, and I think that's ultimately um, why I was interested in doing this. Um, every fall is, is um, unique because I know we've got some students coming back and can, to some degree, anticipate who's going to be involved or maybe not involved or have other commitments this semester, um, but also there are new students that we want to get involved. So this play really offered an opportunity to direct a very surface level story, plot, action, uh, if that's what it came down to, and then also if we had the opportunity um, to dive deeper into what's really happening under these actions. What is the the nuance and the tactic and the relationships going on here? Um, so it's been fun to get to that deeper level, especially in these more recent weeks as the show's been approaching. Sure. Well, and you just kind of said the, the the word recent weeks because this is not this is a three night performance. Yes, it is. And this is not like three days of practice, three days, and here we go. This is right. a long process. What is, what's the time frame from the time that you, you land on the play that you're going to do to the time that the curtain comes up on opening night? So when this play began, it is hard to say. It could mm-hmm. be 10 years ago, right? <laughs> like it could be the first time I was very intrigued by uh, seeing and reading this play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, seeing it less, right? I, I don't want to like give the impression that we're recreating any particular right. performance, um, but to investigate the script itself and the language it uses and particularly the music and soundscape that's involved. Um, and a really good show, I think, takes it at least a year mm-hmm. um, because there is a lot of just digestion and ruminating that happens. Um, and that's how you get best set up on, on the right foot to begin working with other people. Um, so my work on this play probably began in about 2012, okay. <laughs> or maybe 2010 or 11. Um, that said, um, in terms of 
the production itself after deciding this is the right show for the fall. It's got this combination of things where um, I think I know who we can count on and there's some flexibility in how folks are arranged on the cast and crew. Also not pre-casting the show, just um, knowing that there are possibilities and opportunities for new folks to join us. Um, so after that decision's made, uh, right away in the fall semester, we have all the Loris launch uh, recruitment events, uh, and shortly after that, we uh, begin auditions. Okay. So um, entire semester long, we've been working on this show. Um, that said, not every single day, um, especially with this show, I think it's good to like, we're, we're taking a day off. We did some serious um, creative and or emotionally vulnerable work, and it's good to let that sit and rest for a time. Sure. Um, and also, we do not have a major, um, so and that is a huge asset to us because it means that students from all majors and of all levels of involvement across campus can get involved. Um, and in this particular semester, we have a lot of uh, uh, people on the swim team, right? And so that's something we need to be sensitive to, um, accommodating for, for that to happen as well. Uh, so we've been working since the very beginning of semester at what I would call a, a moderate pace, um, very regularly, um, but not so intensively that it would stop students from being involved in other things. Sure. And very shortly, that changes here. We will be very intensively involved as we approach uh, Tech Week. Sure, that final push. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we also have um, students that have been on the technical and production side of things with us uh, from the beginning as well. Um, stage managing rehearsals, um, beginning working on costumes, and then uh, another collection of students that join them on a, on a more laissez-faire isn't the right word, but uh, on a more um, at-will availability um, to come in for a night in paint okay. or come in for a night and look at hats and shoes. Um, so uh, there, we have a lot of flexibility and levels of involvement, but that also adds time to something that takes time. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we have seemed to have struck a very nice balance this semester with how we're going about that. Sure. So, I mean, again, another point that, so people who, they come in and watch the show, they see the people on the stage. They see the students who are out there, but there's so much more going on backstage. Um, students who are not, they, they, don't, they don't set a foot on the stage, but there's, there's still key components in terms of whether it's lighting, curtain, anything that, that's going on, they, they still play significant roles. So mm -hmm. what kind of enthusiasm is there for those offstage roles? Uh, I mean, there is a huge enthusiasm for it, mm -hmm. uh, particularly this year, a lot of uh, costuming interest, uh, which which I was not expecting, but like delighted to see, right? Um, because although I am wonderful at all things, I am not expert mm -hmm. at all things. So it was great to see um, we have students that cosplay a lot and are interested in costuming through uh, cosplaying outside of school. And we have uh, a student that's very interested in doing um, costumes for like television production. So this is an opportunity here to get involved with that. Um, 
so there was there's great enthusiasm for a student well let me rephrase that sure. it's like little um there there is a lot of enthusiasm and i think that is evident by the fact that none of these students are, at this point are receiving credit for anything mm -hmm. this is a totally voluntary my passion is painting sets so i'm going to show up to do that because that is th th this is a way for me to get to do that and uh have either the the flow state I need in my life or the break from study that I need in my life or just uh, any creative outlet, expressive mm -hmm. outlet um, to do that. And it's, a, and it's social. So all the while we're there, we've got, you know, um, there are peers to talk to about classes that they're in or other activities they're involved in. Um, so it is, uh, for, for many reasons, I think there, there's a lot of um, good things happening for the self sure. um, and a lot of good things happening socially and interpersonally. Yeah, it seems like a good opportunity for some students who wouldn't normally interact in, outside of this experience mm -hmm. to actually meet new people and kind of like, and find that common interest that they didn't know existed. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've got, you know, we've got students that um, I wouldn't call anyone out, but like we will have students that like this is their they're like their social event. Mm -hmm. And we have students that are, are like just community butterflies that still come to this because this is a, another opportunity to connect with uh, folks in a way that you don't get to connect outside of the experience of getting your hands dirty and getting into the nuance mm -hmm. and um, um, having fun with uh, visual and performing and uh, musical arts. Sure, and regardless of your passion, they're they're still they want to be involved and mm -hmm. yeah, and they can put in as much as they need to. I mean, obviously, there's a certain point that everybody needs to put in to to pull off a really good performance. But yeah, okay. So I you you I want to go back a little bit. So you'd mentioned though, with this particular play, you've been kind of ruminating on it for for mm -hmm. over a decade now, and. So once the students are on the on the stage, the performers are, are going through rehearsals, you're kind of seeing it come together. How much is that story or the um, our components changing even as you're as you're watching things happen? I mean, I was like, oh, you know, I had envisioned this, but I think maybe we could try this. How much is is it kind of an ongoing evolution? Uh, all the time. Yeah, it's evolving all the time. Um, there are. What it really requires of, of, of all of us, my, myself and all the students uh, included, um, is to be as present in the moment that we're working as we can be. Um, because in that, we will see um, a reaction that was different on this evening of rehearsal. Or uh, if you get really good at spotting impulses and then calling folks out on those impulses and saying, oh, no, you were going to do that. Mm -hmm. And let's let's try it. And that's the only way to find out if this is going to work or not. Like, you had an impulse there, let's try it. Mm -hmm. And we will find out that that is the most brilliant thing in the world and we're absolutely keeping it, or it was garbage, <laughs> right? Um, but the, the important th element here is, is that, these, that everyone that's contributing is their own 
filter for their own work that they are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I were to come in with just a very strong idea of how I think the Lord of the underworld walks, um, that, that's good for me to have a backup plan and to have, have something very specific that I can give to a student. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have Sean come in and me to, rather than instruct, ask a question that gets him thinking, that gets him moving, that gets him doing something that's so totally him as Lord of the Underworld, rather than my imaginary idea of someone Mm -hmm. as Lord of the Underworld. He's going to give the best performance uh, that he is capable of, uh, rather than doing a... um, poor imitation of too strongly held of an idea from me. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all, uh, we're all contributing and shaping and causing each other's reactions and giving each other insights. And all the time I'm hearing line deliveries that I go, Oh wow. I didn't, I didn't realize like how intentional that line of dialogue was mm-hmm. like, this is a more important three word sentence than I thought it was. Um, and that that's happening all the time. And that's the, the joy of the work. Really. Sure. Do you, do you think part of that comes from, I mean, you as a director kind of, you've got this overarching look of the entire performance, mm-hmm. uh, from, from beginning to end where you have individual performers who they're in their one role. And so mm-hmm. they are a little bit more honed in a little bit to where that, that, that character should be where they start, where they get, where they're ending and kind of that journey for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I try to stay as, um, aware and as involved in all of the, the characters, right? Not necessarily the actors, but in the characters as I can so Mm -hmm. that I can offer guidance. Um, but really it's all, it's students knowing their work, um, and then revealing their own work, for themselves and I am there to call out what the work is and to give specificity um, to decision making when ultimately they are faced with decisions. Okay. So it sounds like it's, it's a really a a good balance of direction and instinct that kind of makes it, that brings out the best performance. Absolutely. And that, because that's in, in my role, that's what I'm doing. I'm directing, not dictating. Sure. They, they are they are flowing down the stream and I'm helping to guide which direction the boat goes okay um, but they they are the ones paddling their own canoes to <laughs> s- s- sort of say yeah well and, and and in the meantime while they're while they're on the stage practicing and kind of running through their lines and try to pull it together you're also trying to envision okay how the light how the light's gonna look at where the props going how are, how are we getting th- these things on stage how are we getting mm-hmm. them off stage so there's there's so many moving parts that yeah. need to be considered that it's 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 a little big undertaking. It, it sure is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, other than helping um, get into the weeds, right, when students um, and other production team members need me to 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 climb in the trench with them, um, my my function is to have the outside eye to make sure that. Um, Little Stone's acting choice is in alignment with the world that the uh, lighting design says we're in. Um, So, like across these, like very 
vast distances in terms of artistic discipline. We're, uh, my, my job is to keep that outside eye and create a cohesive whole, okay. which I think is where um, interesting contemporary shows can fall apart. Right? They can become collages of, wouldn't it be a good idea if, wouldn't it be a good idea if, wouldn't it be a mm -hmm. good idea if, instead of one, wow, that was an immersive, connected experience. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, and this may change, this answer may depend on the production that mm -hmm. you're working on, but is there a certain, is there a favorite part of any production that you, you really look forward to when it's all coming together? That you're like, you know, I really like, I love the interaction with with the the performers. I love kind of being being able to envision the the costumes or things like that. Yeah, um, the, I mean that cha changes I pretty show to show. I have a um, a love hate relationship with all the steps, right? <laughs> um, the moment will sneak up on me, um, and as folks involved in like, I, I remember. Uh, our past uh, uh, admissions director, when, when Kyle used to write those faculty staff plays, he noticed it. He mm -hmm. noticed the day I was like, in it, in it, in mm -hmm. it. Um, you know, I'm always, you know, always show up, always do the work, but there, it will sneak up on me the moment where um, I cannot help myself but to work. Mm -hmm. um, so that that moment where I cannot not work, you just get pulled in. Yes. Yeah. Um, when 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 the thing inside of me just takes over and you cannot pull me away from the work, that moment sneaks up on me, um, uh, and and that's kind of uh, nice because I usually get that extra juice right when I need it. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wish I could control it so I could have it <laughs> you know, more immediately right. accessible all the time. Right. Um, but that is, that is not always the case. It, it kind of, I've always liked this play. Um, I enjoy working with students. And then every show sneaks up on me as sure. the, oh, you can't hold him back now, <laughs> right? Um, and that's always uh, to be revealed to all of us. <laughs> sure, just waiting for that flip, that switch to be flipped mm -hmm. and get get going on it. So one other point about um, this particular performance, uh, Eurydice, is I, I got to peek in it. I didn't get a, a really good look, but I mentioned it to you when we, when you first came in that um, you've got quite a structure mm -hmm. right um, set up for. And you mentioned it was for the audience. What is how is just the actual physical theater transformed for this for this play? Sure. Um, so this is something it's been, um, it's been over four years now since we've, we've done this. Um, but we are doing what we would call a, like a black box or a studio production. Um, the, this show, as I've mentioned, maybe has a lot of strange elements involved. Um, but it's still deeply poetic and grounded. Um, so I felt going into this production, it would be very nice to have the audience as immersed in the show and as close to those people as possible because um, you risk something on a big stage and at a distance where these quirky things can kill the 
uh, connection and, and earnestness and sincerity with this sort of presentational error, this theatrical error. Um, and the, the presentation and the theatrics are all there, but I really want to maintain that this sincerity and connection with the actual stories and lives happening on stage. So pretty early on decided we were gonna do a studio production of this. Um, and what that means is we are putting the uh, audience on stage, very close and near the set, the lights, the actors. Um, and it's been about the right amount of time for us to do this again, four years. So uh, we are going to have about 100 seats each mm. night um, for a very intimate journey into the underworld. Sure. Nice. Well, that's going to be that'll be actually just enhance that experience for the audience to be able to, and probably for the performers too. Uh, that is the hope. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, since obviously the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, this performance is happening. So, um, so obviously we have to talk about what's next. So there's there's obviously another performance coming up in the spring. Do you have at least dates set? Oh for yes, that yet? absolutely. So um, our spring production will be March thirtieth through April first. Okay. Um, and we might have a few what I would call pop-up events. Uh, Duprov is still in the world. Um, so we might have some improv showcases come up. Um, and we might, without promises, be dipping back into some one-day plays or uh, one-acts of sorts. Okay. But uh, uh, right now, we're, we're t our target is a fall production, November 17th, 18th, and 19th. And then our next uh, main stage production will be March 30th through April 1st. Okay, and you're not going to give me any spoilers about what's coming, but that's okay. Not just yet. <laughs> right. Keep you in suspense. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Eurydice will be performed, as you said, November 17th, 18th, and 19th at 7.30 p.m. in St. Joseph Auditorium in Hoffman Hall. Uh, admission for all current Loris students, faculty, staff is free, and general admission for the public is $10. That's correct. So what we will do, too, is we'll put, there is a, a link for it if you want to buy your tickets in advance. We'll have a link in the show notes for this so that people can log in, and so they can just don't have to sweat that. They just, everything's paid for in advance, and they just go in and enjoy the show. That's right. So those uh, general admission and those free Loris tickets, um, you can... Reserve your spot, okay, um, and we will keep that list at the box office. So no physical tickets needed, um, but we will guarantee you a spot. Um, and then we will also welcome and admit anyone not on that list when we have the seats available. Okay, excellent. Well, Ryan Decker, thank you so much for coming in. Give me this kind of in-depth look at the, the theater process. It's actually, I, I find the whole thing fascinating. So it's really cool to kind of hear your process and kind of your end of it as the director. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for having me. I could, I could rant all day. <laughs> well, and I'm sure once uh, when when spring comes around, whether it's you or maybe some of the performers can come in and give us a little preview of the next uh, Loris Players. Production. I think that'd be great. I'd love to have students here next yeah. time. Yeah. All right, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll tentatively plan for that right now. Sounds so. great. So thanks again, and thank you to everyone who listened to our podcasts. For more Loris podcast news and features, visit daily.loris.edu. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and will join us again for another episode of the Dewhawk Digest. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other, and go Dewhawks!